Another episode of today's lesson, a Nick Cave podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sean. And uh, today we'll be talking about the fourth track from Your Funeral, My Trial, Stranger Than Kindness. Sean, did you know that this is a podcast for Nick Cave fans by Nick Cave fans? But... I thought that this was a podcast for everyone, even people who aren't necessarily diehard Nick Cave fans. My sweet summer child. <laughs> no. <laughs> Those people are not... Al- no. You fell into my trap. Oh, no. Um, But you climbed your way out. Oh. And uh, passed my test admirably. I did it. Sean, not only... Is this a podcast for Nick Cave fans by Nick Cave fans? But it's also a podcast for anybody by Nick Cave fans. Absolutely anybody at all, though. You know, yeah, anybody at all. What about Nazis? Can Nazis listen to this podcast, Andrew? Uh, no, no Nazis allowed. Uh, we do not sanction that nonsense here. But just about anybody else. Though, if you're going to continue to go down the list of undesirable people throughout history, we, it may take us a while. We'll skip that for now, but there are a set of people that we will we will name at a later date that cannot listen to this podcast. For everyone else, for 99% of the world's population, welcome. To be named later. Sean, how you doing? Andrew, I'm doing well. It's... uh. A little bit of a strange day, actually. The The light has been very odd, which is somewhat fitting for this new episode. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, great. I agree. The light lighting, lighting is a little off. We are uh, losing the long, languid evenings of summertime for the welcome embrace of uh, a likely rainless fall. That's right. Come darkness, come night. I, uh, but also come rain. I really hope that it does start raining here pretty soon. We need it. We really do. Want to get strange with it? (laughs) Let's get strange with it. And how strange are we going to get? Well, try this on for size. This song was not written by Nick Cave at all. What? What are you talking about? This song, Stranger Than Kindness has lyrics by Anita Lane, uh, Nick Cave's one-time partner. Um, She just passed uh, very recently, as we had talked about on the podcast. And the music was written by one Blixa Bargeld. My, my. What a man. What a man indeed. He, um, 
he recorded uh, multiple tracks of him just kind of strumming, which is the the backdrop of the song, and it's a pretty, you know, it's not uh, it's not super complex. Obviously, I think, you know, granted, this is this is a rarity for a Bad Seeds track to be you know performed by Nick and not written in any capacity by him, but I think this is also sort of an early bizarrely prescient example of sort of where um, later era Nick Cave would go. Um, a little more ambient, a little less uh, structure to the music. Which is, yeah, no, it's um, something I've noted on the past few albums is they don't necessarily themselves feel very seeds-like. And this was something about this song that really stood out was that it didn't necessarily feel very seeds like, and it's it's that bizarre ambient nature of the strumming, uh, very little as you said complexity, but a lot going on, and uh, it creates a somewhat claustrophobic feel that they don't usually visit. They don't usually go here, and so it's it's a strange song in that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's musically sparse, but just the way it's produced, the the menace that every instrument is sort of imbued with. Uh, claustrophobic is a great word for it yeah and that that menace it's it's menace but it's also disaffected it's um there's almost Mm. so much going on and the way that the lines are delivered is is very not monotone but you know duotone or tritone um it doesn't go anywhere and so there's this this underlying disaffection that kind of clouds it all but it's also at the same time super uneasy and so that that menace really does bleed through in it in a in a way that they haven't done before they've done menace many times up to this point and we'll do it again but never in this way definitely yeah and 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 to kind of add to the uh sort of frenetic claustrophobic nature you've got mick harvey playing some pretty quiet but very very fast and very um almost schizophrenic drumming um you've got that spooky uh uh that spooky staccato organ um from cave at the end that kind of bubbles up uh, from the guitar yeah this song uh is a favorite of caves i think given that he uh musically and lyrically was uninvolved and had to kind of just step in and make it work i think i'm surprised that this didn't happen more often considering this is one of his favorite songs (laughs) absolutely it's it's always nice to step back and let someone else do the work for once but i think uh i don't know i I don't know the man but i would imagine that he was often stopped by himself from that happening even though he enjoyed (laughs) it when it did i i i would uh be inclined to agree um and and one last note on the music it's uh the emergent strums and sucking noises and and all these bizarre things that kind of fade out of the out of the muck and the the mire that's created by those overlaid strums is truly truly unsettling and uh, I don't know it creates a dreamlike atmosphere I think for this song it it bathes the whole thing in a very strange strange light so thematically I think they really nailed it they they titled this well. And and I guess one one last thing to note, uh, two notable covers of this song. Uh, one by Fever Ray, which I think is is the superior of these two. The second uh, being uh, by Kurt Vile, who who I definitely have some 
deep affection for uh was released on a compilation album uh called songs for australia that i believe was uh released in part for charity um he would end up opening for nick cave and the bad seeds on one leg of the push the sky away tour that we did not see that's right i remember being kind of bummed that we weren't gonna be able to catch him opening yeah we did oh. get mark lanigan though so fantastic man as well i already Hard seen to... him though so oh you bastard yeah whatever it's um, no big deal yeah i mean he cave cave picks some really good openers for that tour yeah moving on to the good stuff sean i want to get us started with verse one uh it would be my utter pleasure so we begin with the titular line stranger than kindness uh, bottled light from hotels spilling everything. Uh, Andrew, what the hell are they talking about? At this point, I mean, you don't have a whole lot of info, and the song itself is very ambiguous, right? But yep. bottled light from hotels, more than anything, I think sets the scene. And we'll get some more of our surroundings. We'll get some more... Uh, imagery of of where we are to an extent but for me this is the line that really puts me in a place so whether whether we're at this point on the street or in a hotel room wherever you are just this image of you know very separated very um very isolated um you know windows lit um at night is kind of the vibe I get from this. Yeah, it's it's the look of the song, right? It's um, I think everyone can conjure at least from you know any number of pieces of media, even if you haven't experienced it firsthand, of uh, that bottle light from hotel rooms. It's the sort of um, either like you said, light peering from in, out inside a hotel room from the outside, or I was picturing as well from inside the hotel room. You know, if the shutter or if the blinds are shuttered. A lot of hotels or at least old motels have the, you know, buzzing neon and, and that kind of spills in into this, you know, dark and, and dingy room. And I'm probably going too far, but that, that was the immediate image I, I got from this one line. <laughs> um, spilling everything is a strange line to me. And this is, it goes along with the strange phrasing of the song title itself. Everything feels like it's like missing a word or like a word has been swapped out for a different word that doesn't quite make sense (laughs) um and so spilling everything by itself i don't there's no there's no object why everything being the object spilling it um i don't think he's you know comically running around the room knocking over a bunch of stuff full of liquid (laughs) or (laughs) dropping (laughs) dropping like glasses of milk everywhere um well, we but have two it, very different interpretations, then, my friend. <laughs> He's, you know, very, very comically running into things and, and getting very messy. Um, but just by itself, this line, to me, is is vaguely sexual. I, I, maybe just oh, yeah. in context of the rest of the album, spilling, of course, spilling seed, or, you know, just that kind of wet imagery almost right off the bat. But there's there's very little context there. Well, I th- and I think the context is more after that line. I don't think it necessarily has to come from what's before, but yeah. um, 
you know, and this is informed by stuff that comes later, but so we have, you know, spilling everything, wet hand from the volcano, sobers your skin, stranger than kindness. So we end the verse, this little uh, section with uh, the same phrase as where we began. Spilling everything to me, now that we know that there is a speaker and someone that they're speaking to, you know, sobers your skin, um, you know, if you if you choose to take that as someone speaking to another person or speaking to you. You know, I think, you know, two people in a hotel room, there is like the sexual imagery implied. Um, I mean, wet hand from the volcano is pretty, pretty clearly uh, a what's what's thinner than thin like a clear layer of saran wrap over <laughs> over this metaphor uh, yes a, a translucent veneer yes um but spilling everything could also be you know two people sharing their secrets again that may have different context as we continue but i i think it's just you know, we have a different lyricist here. We have someone with different, um, I don't want to say ideals, but different ways of getting information across. And I think yeah. this is extremely vague. Ext- extremely vague, but I, I do want to call out, I love I love the phrase, so your skin. Um, the, the imagery of the volcano that you would even reach in in the first place is some level of, you know, excitement, kind of knowing that you're going to get burnt. It's, it's a fucking volcano. Um, but that you feel that in your skin even, and, you know, they have this kind of drunken physical need to, to do that. But, uh, the skin itself being sobered by the burn, I think speaks a lot and it didn't take, take long to kind of think about this too much. Um, but you know, that anticipation being, um, neutralized by whatever pain is felt when that happens, I think, uh, paints the speaker as somewhat weary of whatever it is they're they're describing at this point it's it's the sort of thing where they know what's going to happen and um they they are completely sobered by the action which is interesting because you know sex is sort of just such an intoxicating you know to use sobering um to describe you know what is likely a sex act uh, is very odd to me it's it's almost the inverse of what i how i would normally take it yeah, but I mean, even running with that, though, you know, uh, certain kinds of sex are are known to be completely unfulfilling. You know, the sort of thing that perhaps many people get very excited about and then find that it's actually a, a hollow and empty exercise um, and, and too much might leave one feeling somewhat lifeless or, you know, sobered in a, in a situation in which one should be intoxicated. And so that's that's why I want to give a shot at this line. It's I think that this is one of the coolest things we've heard so far. So thank you, Anita. This, this is great. We're giving you a pass on wet hand from the volcano uh, <laughs> because it sobers your skin. So thank you. That's right. Uh, verse two. You caress yourself and grind my soft, cold bones below. Your map of desire burned in your flesh. Even a fool can come. So, again, very vague but very visceral at the same time. Um, yeah. There's this sort of kinetic energy, this kinetic action, um, obviously imbued with more sexual imagery. And yet, 
there is a distance there it would seem absolutely um the the image of of one of the partners caressing themselves very masturbatory which is you know the opposite of sex with a partner it of course not always i'm not dissing on any sort of sexual play that anyone might engage in it might be very fun to do that but in the context of this song i think it's in stark contrast to uh the sexuality that you would share with somebody else uh one person you know grinding away and touching themselves with a speaker who is clearly feeling distant at this point um communicated through the music and and as they said the sobered skin yeah and grinding soft cold bones below almost <laughs> you know there's there's sort of an image there of you know maybe this person isn't really feeling necessarily the the same kind of desire um you know even a fool can come does seem to indicate that you know anybody could be you know aroused by this or or uh you know able to perform but i feel like he you know, soft and cold, not not the most uh, you know romantic or uh, <laughs> you know ex- excitement filled descriptors of of the sex act. That's some truly erotic imagery. There. <laughs> what are you wearing, baby? I'm oh, I'm so soft and cold. Yeah, and it, your map of desire burned in your flesh. That you know, there, you could read it super literally you know maybe even a tattoo or you know someone someone who knows what to do or someone who is used to doing something similar you know maybe multiple times over the course of their experience not to bring it back to the last song necessarily but you know maybe with with kind of what we have here and then the the uh bottle light from hotels could be a prostitute I don't know that I'm I'm willing to jump to that conclusion, but you know, just more more imagery of of two people coming at this meeting, let's say, uh, from different perspectives. And yeah, this, this map uh, burned in your flesh is, as you said, very visceral and and very vivid, and it, it conjures up images of abuse. Right, it's the sort of mixture, it's that menacing mixture of uh sexuality and and pain and abuse and um something that might make someone completely distant from this very natural and very enjoyable act someone something that might sober somebody um who still engages in it because you know we're all human but at the same time has a history of uh of pain or i think that there's something to be said that maybe it's this person is very familiar with their partner and that could be the lack of uh enjoyment at this point they know what's going on uh they've been through this before with this specific person they can read the map and uh yeah and read that map already read that map and i'm stupid as hell and i can still come but i am (laughs) not gonna have fun (laughs) i will not have fun (laughs) i refuse at this point my skin is sober i am soft and cold this is a two-star hotel at best (laughs) All this bottled light everywhere. And I spilled everything. There's nothing ironic about this. The, knocked over our fun milk. <laughs> it's everywhere. I knocked over uh, all the strawberry milk we ordered. <laughs> That's, uh, I like that reading, actually. Strawberry milk. I, I get a distinct impression of strawberry milk from the music, actually, now that you say that. Can um, you imagine if we just, like, our podcast was full of... <laughs> nonsense like that 
And uh, it's not explicitly stated in the text, but it's it's clear to me that this is between Nick Cave and Nick Harvey, and Cave is wearing a full-on clown outfit. <laughs> Mick has the makeup on, Cave has none, but it's uh, it's not in the text, but it's in the text. Look, if you want to know more about it, you can read uh, my post on the forums that has been flagged 18 <laughs> times. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. For being suppressed. <laughs> it's time we it's time we broke out of our shackles and made the podcast we really want. That's right. Uh anyway. Moving on. Moving a strange, on. A strange lit stare. And find a rope hanging there. Stranger than kindness. What a what a left turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, this song was not happy to begin with, and uh, well, right. I, I think just... it, I think it takes us down a a path that we knew might be coming. Maybe not <laughs> specifically, but I'm not too surprised. Yeah, I mean, mood wise, sure. I think it it appearing here and then not being, you know, really mentioned again. It's it's an odd. You would think maybe this would be towards towards the end um because i yeah. feel like we kind of go back to this this room or this encounter after this um, yeah so i it, 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 it fits all right i, th- I think it, it is one of the things that jumps out to me in in maybe not uh my favorite way fair enough i i think it adds a it adds to the overbearing sense of ennui that I've gotten at this point from both the music and Cave's delivery. Um, mm, that it, it's okay. just mentioned and never revisited. It's just kind of like there. That's and, an interesting uh, angle. Yeah. Yeah, it's just another piece of imagery. It's it's so mundane. I mean, it's shocking, but in the context of the song, it's mundane. And so this this person is having sex and they're not excited. They see what is clearly signs of you know impending suicide they're not excited uh nothing can really get this person going there's no visceral thing around them that can that can pep up this song and uh i think it i don't know i like the way it adds to the mood i do too i i just don't know that it necessarily like takes place at this time or like what is he just like looking (laughs) looking out a maybe closed door and up some stairs like what where are we now uh, well i guess it's kind it, of jarring yeah no it, it could also be uh adding to the dreamlike nature of the song um the the map this is where the map could lead you know the desire at the end there's no real payoff for either of these people they're engaging in it compulsively um and they just at the end or during the actor or just hanging around each other get this impression and so that that strange lit stare uh kind of takes it out of reality I don't think it's actually a physical place. Um, it just seems like a stairwell lit from nowhere, very spooky shit, um, with a rope, and they just see it and move on. Moody. It's moody. Yeah, I, I was trying to kind of see if there was any kind of anatomical, you know, map of desire burning your flesh. I, I was trying to think of, like, what could that be? Oh sort of you know 
trying to approach as far as as you know sexual anatomy or something like that i think there's some pretty obvious kind of places you can go with it but uh just a weird way to maybe describe it or you know i i guess for me if it's taken as just like well this song's hinting at like you know suicide by hanging or whatever yeah it it doesn't really do it for me i think it's too out of out of left field here fair enough personally the rope could be his limp dick you know (laughs) i wasn't gonna go there um but you know a rope hanging could be a, a uvula Uh, (laughs) and the tongue's kind of like a weird stare (laughs) no but you know there's there's i think i think taking it at 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 face value like this is something we're seeing in the hotel or in the room i mean unless they just have the worst housekeepers (laughs) in the world (laughs) like there is nothing that indicates it's a noose it could just be ropes yeah that's true that's true uh, but you know, I think because of the the nature of the song, that's something that uh, I think probably subconsciously occurred to to both of us in some fashion. And yeah, maybe some explanation in verse three. Uh... I d- I doubt it though. Oh <laughs> uh, well, let's let's see where it goes. Let let's do it. This is a very clear line, so it'll be nice to have some something easy. Uh, keys rain like heaven's hair there is no home there is no bread we sit at the gate and scratch the gaunt fruit of passion dies in the light now, stranger Andrew, than kindness <laughs> stranger than kindness i'm gonna throw you a low ball here i'm gonna throw you a, a slow one uh keys rain like heaven's hair what does mm. that mean easy one well clearly it's it's very straightforward um the the thing for me is that we will have the mention of a gate uh coming soon that you know obviously there's there's uh some gates have keys right um (laughs) no but i also think this this motel imagery this hotel imagery you know keys being these gateways into these encounters whether good bad or in between you know they're kind of hanging there on the you know wall i guess if you're some hotel manager or whatever i haven't spent a lot of time in these hotels maybe they just drop them down on you from a great height um <laughs> you have to pay extra for that it's actually a, a marker of a nice hotel <laughs> well shit we've only been to bad hotels that's right you haven't experienced the key rain very fun stuff but then heaven's hair you know to me makes me think of like clouds or whatever you know keys keys raining down though just seems this this just seems like a line kind of like the stare and the rope where i just think ambiguity is one of my favorite things in media and so i don't like to knock it but to me i just really don't know where to go with that other than hotels have keys yeah, and uh, I, w- I was lying keys. earlier. I gave this to you because I had no fucking idea. Uh, but as you were speaking, oh. I kind of perhaps got something uh, from the imagery. It's just a thousand keys raining down. And that line, we sit at the gate and scratch. They clearly can't get through. 
they have all these keys, they have the tools, and still they're unable to get through this gate. And I like maybe it. it's just it's helplessness. It's the sort of thing where you know you know you can you know you can be better than you're being. You know that you have a way to to solve whatever problem you're facing. Um, but perhaps you have too many solutions. Perhaps it's been muddled and I, I'm tying this in now to the music, but it's like overlaying a thousand strums all at the same time and never changing throughout the whole song. It just, it's cacophony. It's just noise at a certain point. And uh, there's not a whole lot to grasp onto. And I, I believe it can be frustrating and after frustration, very demoralizing, very sad. And uh, I think I just solved the song. It's the human condition. You can My see, God. You can see something happening. You want to change it. You have the power to change it. But sometimes it just doesn't doesn't work like that. Um, for better or for worse. You know, people can't always, uh, you know, due to trauma or due to perhaps even, uh, you know, financial or class or race circumstances can't uh, manifest, hashtag manifest what they want or need to um there is no home there is no bread you know this is a meeting between two lovers at a hotel if you want to and i use the term you know lovers very loosely you know this isn't and and who's to say whether these people would want that Um, i think it's implied that maybe they want something more or at least one of them does but you know there is no hearth there is no you know relationship dynamic here that is helpful to either of them yeah there's no breaking of bread classic classic coming together breaking bread with enemies and friends alike and you know that just doesn't exist here there's nowhere to find a home in that love i think that's a that's spot on yeah what do you what do you make of the uh gaunt fruit of passion and uh, (laughs) perhaps this gate i think that this is also his penis um <laughs> they it's not the that gaunt <laughs> we're gonna see this later the gates are you know what the gates are and uh this gaunt fruit is sitting and scratching but nothing can do um no i i don't <laughs> having said that now it's now in my mind but i don't think that's the case um i think that the gate the fruit um the reference to heaven and what we've seen prior uh the references to uh perhaps the garden of eden and as we all know the the fruit of knowledge all these things the passion that adam felt for eve and and led them both to be expelled this is kind of the other side of that right it's the negative image of that or what we have now um in this world and so i think that this i do think that this is a a reach at biblical imagery um, and sitting at the gate, it's funny, it's almost the reverse of that story, too, right? So Adam and Eve ate the fruit, were expelled, gone from the garden, the gate's open, and they're out. Uh, this feels like they're on the side with the fruit, and it feels like they're in a garden that uh, produces only gaunt, shitty fruit, and there's just nothing left. And so perhaps they already have too much knowledge. Perhaps, you know, whatever that fruit could offer is, is long since decayed and rotten, and they didn't get a chance before the garden became that way to to exit and now they're trapped and that would be an incredibly lonely existence right it's it's just adam and eve in this garden they can't go out into the world that now exists and so i think it's a in my mind it's a it's a cool take on that story it it reverses it and flips it around um 
Well, and I, I, the, I like that reading and I, I think that's the more interesting reading. I do want to, you know, sitting at the gate and scratching could be like an animal that's been let out and wants back in. Yep. So I did want to offer that uh, interpretation as well. Oh yeah, no, I mean, and that's the thing with gates, especially in the Bible is, you know, there, there is much for keeping people out and who want in as they are for keeping people in who want out. And so paradise lost one of the coolest scenes Satan's zipping his way through hell and he wants to fucking go to earth and fuck with Adam and Eve. And he gets to the gates of hell and he's being locked inside by sin and death. And he has to convince them to give him the keys to get the fuck out of there. And, uh, knowing the cave is a big paradise lost fan, um, probably shared that with the people around him. It wasn't written by him, obviously. Um, it just, it's the dual, (laughs) the duality of gates, as we often talk about here, they, they are both uh, devices to uh, <laughs> running uh, interest in gate play. That's right. Um, not the last time again on the album that we'll see this, but uh, just as much a tool to repel uh, as a tool to entrap. Yeah, yeah. I like it. These people are um you know if we're if we're looking at this verse they are they're trapped in in some way by themselves by society by by trauma by their own experience yeah by life man moving on to what (laughs) nothing (laughs) you're stuck in here with me (laughs) (laughs) classic judge dreadline I, I'm quite partial to, hey, knock it off. I'm Judge Dredd. <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, cut that oh, out. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Moving on to verse four. Your sleeping hands journey, they loiter. Stranger than kindness. You hold me so carelessly close. Tell me I'm dirty. I'm a stranger to kindness. Yeah, and as the as the last verse, we don't necessarily take any dramatic turns here. It's uh, more more of the same. It's you know the the partner is clearly uh, somewhat disinterested in what they're doing. The sleeping hands indicating that you know they're just kind of moving slowly, if at all. They're loitering. They're not uh, doing what hands should be doing in a intense sexual encounter. Uh, again, not to diss on anyone. I I don't want to. I'm not in your bedroom. I'm not telling you what to do. If you're into your loitering, hands, if you're into loitering, sexually, if you're into your hands sleeping, if you're into sleeping, that's fine. Nothing, nothing wrong there. But with the dispassion of this song, I think that the speaker is not uh, not as into it. Although perhaps disaffected enough by his or their prior experiences as to not even really care at this point. Yeah, yeah. Stra- stranger than kindness. Again, it, I haven't asked this question yet, Andrew. What do you make of the title of the song? Um. Well, now that we have the last verse, you know, I think it's it's something we can talk about because we have this turn, right, at the end. I'm a stranger to kindness and then stranger than kindness. So you have, yeah, there's the, and I don't know how, I almost, you know, hesitate to bring it up, but like the streetcar named Desire, you know, kindness of strangers kind of thing, I think is something that sort of, you know, informed this title, perhaps. I don't really choose to 
grab at that illusion too strongly um, because I don't know that that's something that they were super interested in uh, writing this. But Stranger Than Kindness, to me, you know, obviously you have the, the idea of the stranger, um, two people that may be estranged in some way. And then just how, you know, the idea of kindness being this wholesome sort of thing that I think most of us think we are, you know, amenable to or a part of, these people just don't feel that way, maybe, you know, especially with the line, I'm a stranger to kindness. Now, that might yeah. just be the speaker, but it could be both people as well, right? Someone that's been burned, um, you know, literally or, or figuratively. And then the speaker who, you know, identifies that that things are cold. And, and maybe the speaker is alternating, too. That's something that I, I sort of want to get to. But just oh. the idea that that you, you know, if, if you're meeting with people in hotels and stuff, you still want you know, a lowercase k kindness as such. It, it just, it's, these people are not part of the status quo in terms of, of kindness or relationships or romantic encounters, even if they're just sort of off the cuff, you know? It just, this, yeah. this there is something much stranger here than even a chance encounter between two people that means nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it might even be the speaker coming to realize after a time that what they're doing is stranger than simply being kind. That it's, you know, this turn of what they're doing is suddenly striking the person as odd when it perhaps yeah. didn't before. Absolutely, but, yeah. But they're so drained that they can't really do much about it. And then they, they end realizing that they themselves are a stranger to kindness. Yeah, and then the huh. your, your sleeping hands journey and loiter. That and you already touched on this, but the idea that you're, you know, I don't think the hands are, you know, not moving. Obviously, they're journeying and loitering. But to journey and to loiter, you know, journey usually has a, a goal or an end or a purpose. But journey feels different than like necessarily like a, a trip, like a point A to point B. You know, hmm. to loiter instead of take root or, or take up a home and then to journey instead of to, you know, travel or, you know, have a destination. It seems kind of aimless, um, sleeping, maybe they're not really into it. We also have the grind my soft cold bones below, but that's spoken from a first person kind of perspective. So this could be the uh, other person talking to that person, depending on how you read it. Maybe... Yeah maybe it's the same person and they're just like, well, you know, you're not even really into it. So why should I still be into it? Or, or this isn't working for me in some way. One of the, the things I do like lyrically about this song is it's that kind of ambiguity works for me in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the sort of thing where I do feel like this song gives off a distinct mood impression, you know, something that you really can't miss there, but it requires you to sit down and, and deal with the lyrics on their level for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and some of it is too ambiguous, but when you get into this kind of sweet spot, this is, this is, yeah, evocative imagery coupled with something that really, I you know, we joked about it earlier, but I think does speak to 
perhaps the uh, human condition more than more than I'd originally given it credit. The broader condition of of um, connecting with others and you know the feeling that one might have after a life of not doing so. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and 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 the lines you hold me so carelessly close, tell me I'm dirty. It's a little little overkill for that, but I do think it does kind of drive that point home. Like, you know, there's the obvious reading of "Tell Me I'm Dirty," you know, from a in a sort of cliched uh, sexual context, but it's also just kind of the the way he delivers these lines. "You hold me so carelessly close" is a little on the nose, I think, but the "Tell Me I'm Dirty," oh, it's so forced. And, and raw yeah. and visceral i just don't i don't feel like it's meant it's not delivered in the way that that line would normally be delivered well i think these two things both play kind of a a, a dual role so i mean being held carelessly close could be um without care you don't care about what you're doing and that's kind of what we got in here this disaffection of you know you're holding me close but it's it's careless you're not actually paying attention to my needs or wants and it's it's hollow um, but it could also be the, the carelessly close of letting your guard down, of having no, no barrier between you and the other person, if only briefly. And then that tell me I'm dirty is either that forced, uh, oh, tell me I'm dirty, baby. Or it's, it's the kindness of truth. Perhaps the, he's never told that elsewhere, but knows it in his heart that, you know, he's led this life or they've led this life or they do these things that are that are filthy and no one cares about them enough to actually tell them that um and so becoming close and uh dropping their absolute terror fields if you will uh <laughs> they they finally connect on that level if only for a brief moment to understand that they are strangers to kindness somebody's somebody's finally made it into evangelion <laughs> i watched the last two movies and nothing else god i hate you <laughs> uh, it all makes so much sense if you do that well that's uh stranger <laughs> than kindness no yeah i i i really like those re uh, that contextualization of those two lines together i i'm, I'm willing to yeah I, I i like those a little bit more uh, thinking about it in those terms for sure right but, on well Sorry. yeah that's the that's the fucking song that's basically. it we're out of lyrics <laughs> no we got that sick uh that sick organ <laughs> yeah <laughs> we do it and i do i like the music for how weird it is and that's yeah we don't we rarely if ever hear anything like that sound again on any nick cave song that sounds more like a Susie and the banshees kind of vibe to me it feels very odd on this song <laughs> but um it's another contribution that uh cave himself made and uh just really weirdly works for me yeah no i mean there's just so much of that going on in the background that it was it's nice at the end to have it kind of coalesce into a strange string of notes from just the thrumming and the vibrating and like i said the sucking sounds and just like this weird i don't even know what they were doing 
but it's just it's bizarre and then it finally leads us out with uh yeah some of the weirder is it organ is that what he's playing yeah yeah so the weirder a, organ we'll ever hear from Nick very King. weird <laughs> very weird tone on that and then you know throughout the song you've got blixa making weird uh ambient droning guitar noises in addition to the uh strumming that is the the backbone of the song yeah i didn't know about the overlay that makes a lot of sense i was wondering how someone could so softly strum for that long in that many different ways <laughs> it was it's overbearing for the whole time <laughs> if you pay attention to it yeah i i mean i guess you know we've talked about and we'll definitely talk about songs with more complexity in terms of of music and and lyrics I, I think this song does kind of stand out like a sore thumb on an album that I'm not really sure where it fits into the larger catalog. So this is kind of like almost the experimental song on this very experimental album. But I think some of the ideas here do really fit well with the like the title track that we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, but very different, you know, from anything before and you know sense a lot of that is because it's uh, an odd uh, personnel yeah absolutely um i've got kind of a dark theory about this song too adds a little Lay bit it on me gruesome context turns it back into a murder ballad uh this could be the opposite side the other view of uh stranger than or uh kindness of strangers this is the man. This is Richard Slate's view of when he comes back to the room in that song. And that song won't be happening for a long time. Until well, we, yeah, we should we should probably uh, address that when we have more context. But uh, my interest oh, we will. has peaked. No, there's nothing to it. But I don't know. Just trying to trying to bring all these songs back to that murder backbone. It's, well, it's feeling weird they were now that we're... <laughs> They knew what they, they were doing knew. when they named it that, you know, down the road. They knew, but uh, no, it's it is odd getting away from every song kind of having an uh, a murderous undercurrent. I mean, this one, I don't. There is no even hope of that. There's no there's no impression whatsoever um, of anybody dying in a in a way like that. They're suicide imagery, of course, but. Um, no, I think, I think we're, we're entering as well a new new era of the seeds. 100%. And I, I think it's something that I appreciate. And I love the songs from the first couple albums. But I like having more material to go over and, and have different relationships contextualized differently and all this stuff. I don't know that this song does a lot for me outside of the maybe one of the toughest ones we've had to, you know, decipher. And I think in that sense it's it's really awesome and worth taking a look at um aside from that i i really just think it's something that leaves an impression in other ways than having a really firm meaning or needing a firm meaning um i just think it it, it really is a lot of cool imagery very different vibe and um, you know, I can see why Nick and a lot of fans place this as one of their favorite Bad Seeds songs. Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, in the parlance of our time, it's a whole mood. It's a whole damn mood. Damn. Um, yeah, and and going off of that, it is one of Kay's favorite songs, and he actually released a book of old photos of the Bad Seeds, um, complete with a little bit of commentary from him. I believe that was last year. But uh, taking a look through there is actually pretty fun. It it puts a lot of uh, puts images to this time period, and there there are some great pictures of he and Anita in there uh, from right around this time. And so I don't know. It, I I think it added something. At least for me, I'm gonna go pick up the book at some point. Um, but definitely worth checking out and definitely shows that he is, he loves this song. He, you know, I, I think that it was very cool to allow, um, someone who was in the band so briefly to contribute something so, so meaningful. Um, if only that had happened more. Um, well, that's stranger than kindness for next time. We would truly appreciate it. If you listen to the song, Jack's shadow uh which is the fifth song on this album your funeral my tribe uh sean where can they find us as always uh you can reach out touch us uh grind our soft cold bones beneath beneath your body on uh, the internet if you'd like you can you can send us an email uh, using whatever email server and host that you use at today's lesson pod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, tweet whatever you'd like, tweet some real vile shit at us at uh, twitter.com or at today's <laughs> at today's lesson pod. Uh, or if you like what we're doing, throw us a bone at uh, patreon.com slash today's lesson. Just make sure that bone is soft and cold. That's right. Uh, Ready for grinding. Uh, until next time. Tell me I'm dirty. My my fruit of passion is gaunt as hell. Goodbye. Bye. Down.